a few weeks ago, we had the pleasure of speaking with Seth Payne. And we actually did like a season preview with Mr. Payne. But we all have another opportunity to have another special guest here on Locked On Texans today. And we actually have Mr. Payne's colleague over at Sports Radio 610. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Locked On Texans, Mr. Brandon Scott. Brandon, what's going on, my man? Oh, man, I'm doing good, man. I appreciate y'all for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. First and foremost, how are you and your family doing during this tropical storm that we have right here in Houston? Yeah, man. It's funny because I got three little kids and one of mm-hmm. them, one of them's uh, daycare situation changed up on me. Um, mm. and that, that was really the biggest thing. We were good. There, there wasn't any uh, like like flip. Actually, last night I had a close call because I, I ran into some water and had to back up a, a pretty significant ways. Uh, but oh, wow. I, I mean, I dodged that. Uh, the main thing was figuring out, you know, childcare situation when the daycare decided that they were going to close early because of the weather situation. But other than that, man, everybody's good. Everybody's safe. Uh, everybody's dry. So um, can't complain, man. It's good to hear. Good to hear. So, Brandon, let's jump right into things and talk about these Houston Texans because, oh, boy, we have a lot to discuss um, as of right now, our team currently sits 0-2 and have another big task this week when they, as they prepare for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, Brandon, right off the bat, what are your thoughts about the season so far? <laughs> I mean, it, it's been a rough one. I, I will say, just to qualify everything, it has gone close to what you would expect in terms of the result. Like, I don't think anybody expected when the when the schedule came out, I don't think anybody expected them to beat the Chiefs or the Ravens. I don't think too many too many people are expecting them to beat the Steelers this week. Um, so as far as the result goes, and you know it's a results business, it, the result is about what I thought it would be. I did not think they would win either of those two games. Now, how we got there, that's really the discussion point. That's really the thing to reflect on and to really wonder about and really worry about if you're a Texans fan. Um, I think about last year when they lost the season opener on Monday Night Football to the New Orleans Saints. They lost that game. They were 0-1 after that game, but you felt pretty good about the team and how they looked in that game. You felt good about Deshaun Watson and how he looked. You felt good about, uh, you know, Kenny Stills. Uh, De- I think DeAndre Hopkins had a couple of drops that game, which was weird, but you felt good about the team after defeat. And then in, in week two, so, you know, comparing week two after week two to, of last year to now, after week two, you know, you get that goal line stand from uh, from Justin Reed on Leonard Fournette. And, like, that was an ugly game, and you felt like maybe you should have beat the uh, the Jaguars maybe closer to what you did in in, uh, in London. Uh, but, but you still won that game, and you were one and one. You felt good, even though it wasn't – everything wasn't perfect. You felt good about how the team looked. In this situation, it's like, where do exactly do they even go from here? Um, you know, it, this is the first time in a long time where I've looked at it and, and, and could not find too many things to really hang your hat on as far as, hey, this is this is something positive for the Texans, you know, like in, in, in the long term. Like other than you have Deshaun Watson. You know, that's that's the best I can. That's the best I can. Deshaun Watson's on the team. That's that's all I got for you. You know, I want to ask you a question about the defense. Uh, we know there was a lot of turnover. 
are going into this offseason, going into this year. Do you believe Anthony Weaver may be in over his head at this point, or does he lack talent defensively? Yeah, no, I don't think he's in over his head at all. Um, I think it's the second thing you said. He he lacks talent defensively. I think that he, he does not have a ton to work with. Now, to the defense's credit, I, I made the point earlier, uh, maybe a couple of days ago or right after the game, that the defense, it feels like, is getting graded on a curve a little bit because – even when they have a bad performance, the offense is so bad that people are like, well, look at the, the defense is giving you a chance, which is true, but they're also not very good, like if we're just honest about it. There's not a lot of talent there. I mean, outside of obviously J.J. Watt, you have J.J. Watt, you have Zach Cunningham, you have Justin Reed, Bradley Roby's a pretty good cornerback. But other than that, I, I, I don't – I was just looking at some of the film. I hadn't gotten through all of the – Texans Ravens game film yet but I'd gotten through pretty much all of the first quarter and man nobody on that defense other than Zach Cunningham and Justin Reed at times flashes and obviously J.J. Watt other than those guys nobody stands out on the defense at all like no one jumps out on film um your outside linebackers Whitney Merciless and Brennan Scarlett Whitney Merciless at times is like doing things that I don't even quite understand like just in terms of like how he's how he's playing a particular play. And Brennan Scarlett is giving you max effort. He's just decidedly, and I hate to say this because I, I like Brennan Scarlett as a guy, but he's just decidedly average at the position. You know, you know tough, smart, dependable probably, like how Bill O'Brien likes him, but just not a not a standout player. Um, and if you remember, he replaced Jadevian Clowney uh, in terms of, you know, the the position and everything. So to, to answer your question, man, it, it is uh, it's unfortunate, but there is not a lot there on the defense. I also look at the defense, and Bill O'Brien, I mentioned it a couple of days ago. We mentioned it a day before that, but at some point I think they have experiment with Lonnie Johnson playing at the safety position rather at corner. Uh, I think with his size and athleticism and his speed, really his skill set will be better for use at safety corner. Uh, but I want to flip sides and talk about the offense and go straight to the leader of this entire team, Deshaun Watson, who's going into year four. Uh, why is going through reads for Watson still a problem? Man, I don't have a great answer for that. I really don't. Um, I, I, I wish I did. I don't think that all of what we see is him having issue going through reads like like there's something there to what you're saying, but you know the totality of it is you know pass protection scheme, like it it is a number of things that are at play here or that are an issue here for in terms of why the passing game isn't what you'd like for it to be. Um, as far as why he's not getting through reads, I like I, I really wish that that I knew. I, I thought he did a decent job of it in the opener against against the Chiefs. There just wasn't a lot there, and that's what stood out about that game was just that it just wasn't a lot of – you didn't see a lot of separation from the receivers or any kind of mismatches created. Uh, you know, back to that point I made about no one standing – like no one stood out. There was no like uh, – David Johnson stood out, I guess, in that game, but uh, Jordan Akins at times, but he only had two targets. Um, and so uh, why Deshaun struggles to to get through his reads or progressions, I, I, I do not have a great answer. I, d- I did get to ask him about the interception 
to uh to to Marcus Peters in the Ravens game and he admitted man he just got he has to see better uh what's underneath uh, on those crossing routes he's got to see that better Marcus Peters played that play perfectly and I know at the moment that what stood out to me more than Deshaun not making the right read or not seeing the guy was just the athletic play that Marcus Peters made I was more impressed by that in the moment but definitely when you look back at it, um, that's a that's a pretty basic read and something that Deshaun Watson has to see. Um, I can't remember if that caught I don't it definitely didn't cost him a touchdown. It might have cost him a field goal. But that's that plays right after the Kiki QT fumble. And to me, when you take those two turnovers back to back, uh, and consider that against the team that you're playing, that to me is actually where the game was lost. Um for, for in, in my eyes. Um, or, or and even it seemed like after that is when they might have even thought the game was lost. You know, it didn't seem like they didn't have much energy after that. Um, he's got to he's got to see it better, man. Um, Deshaun stands out athletically, but the issue with reading defense is I don't I don't know how big of an issue it is, or or if it's just the like I said the totality of all of it. I, I, I wish I had a better answer for that. Brandon, when we're talking about Deshaun Watson's struggles so far this season, I'm under the consumption that it is due to the fact of the play calling or lack thereof coming from either Bill O'Brien or Tim Kelly. So my question to you is, what do you what is your thought? What are your thoughts about the play callings coming from Tim Kelly and especially the 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 one of the most boneheaded decisions that we possibly hopefully will see this whole entire season? the call to go for it on fourth on fourth down on their own 34 in the in the first quarter i might add yeah in the first quarter is the part that really got me i thought it was too early to be that ambitious i so a couple of things <laughs> a couple of things to unpack here with the play calling the play calling has been an issue i i think i was optimistic about it with tim kelly getting the play calling duties that you know, it would just be fresher eyes. He's younger. He's, you know, seems to have Deshaun Watson's ear. So I had some optimism about that, that we would see that. And, and he even talked, you remember this, Cody, in the offseason when we would talk mm-hmm. to Tim Kelly and when we would talk to Deshaun and, and even Bill O'Brien, they would talk about seeing the game and the offense through the same eyes and through the same lens as the quarterback and vice versa and everyone just being on the same page. And I think here, more so I said vice versa, I think the focus actually is seeing the eyes through the quarterback, more so than vice versa, I should say. So seeing the eyes through the quarterback, because he's the talent, right? He's the one that's going to get you there if you're going to get there. And so I thought that it would be more of an offense that seems in tune with his instincts and strengths and, and abilities. And, of course, it's not that. It looks a lot like, the what we've already seen before, which I think also could have been expected, considering the the relationship with Tim, of Tim Kelly and Bill O'Brien, and that's just he's learned basically everything he everything he knows from Bill O'Brien. So, so perhaps that shouldn't be as surprising. Maybe we should have expected that. But I will say though, on the play on the fourth down, like so again, first quarter, I don't get doing it that early. I I, I don't understand that. But the play call, if we if we break it down, what's so maddening about it is if you look at it, 
it's clearly a safety blitz on the edge. Like the safety is lined up at the line of scrimmage. And, and, and you have to go back to third. Cody, you remember after the game, Randall Cobb reminds us that that play was essentially the play that they ran on third down that <laughs> failed. Right? Yeah, he did. He told us that. And, and I, I, in full transparency, man, in this moment, I was at the game. In this moment, I got up to go to the restroom, and I actually had missed this sequence. I didn't see it live. So I had been mm-hmm. told about it. I'm hearing Randall Cobb talk about it, and I'm like, what? The same play? No, no, of course not. That wouldn't happen. I didn't see it until this morning, when I'm, or actually not even this morning. This afternoon, I'm looking at it, and it is, sure enough, the same play. But the problem with it, the reason why it failed the first time is because no one either by the, the, the scheme or the pickup, like the, the, the recognition of the play, no one thought it wise to block the safety who is lined up at the line of scrimmage. If you look at the play, the right tackle, Titus Howard, engages with the, with the inside guy. So they kind of shift. The offensive line shifts. and Or they I should say they slide. And the right guard, Zach Fulton, is engaged with no one on both plays. He's engaged with no one. Meanwhile, the safety, who, you know, if you look at the play, you think, okay, the right tackle is going to get the guy on the edge. If not, then somebody, that's somebody's job, whether it's a tight end or a running back, somebody's got to get that guy. Nobody gets them, and it doesn't even look like it's schemed up for that person to be blocked. So the fact that they would run that play on third down and it would result in the way that it did, it resulted in that guy in that safety coming straight at Deshaun Watson, untouched, unblocked, unimpeded, and they did it again, and they didn't adjust the blocking scheme. Literally, the exact same thing happens again. And so I I don't know if that's a bad I can't I can't tell you what it, whether that's a bad play call because the play never had a chance to begin with you know because of the blocking scheme or or because of this lack of recognition that somebody should should maybe touch the person that is lined up on the edge you know <laughs> it was it was baffling and that it would happen once is bad enough that it would happen twice back to back and the second time be on fourth down in the first quarter in your own territory. Like I, I am, I am just floored by that <laughs> floored by that because I look, I'm, I'm not trying to misrepresent myself as some kind of like super film guru. I'm just a person with two eyes and good sense. And, and I'm, I'm from Houston. So I've been watching football my whole life, but like, I'm, I'm not like a, a, co- a football coach or like this super uh, duper analyst, Football analyst, I, I just got two eyes and I can see <laughs> that somebody should check the guy on the edge. You know, if not the first time, certainly the second time. So it, it, it was it was odd to me. I don't know what's going on uh, with the offense, with the, with the with the pass blocking. And it's a it's a problem, man. It's a real problem. Yeah, and, and I know exactly what play you're talking about because I've actually rewatched most of the game up until the fourth quarter, possibly up until the Mark Ingram run. I watched that game again on Monday, and that play 
I, I was baffled by the fact that nobody in their right mind had the had the presence in mind to pick up that safety that actually came in on a blitz. It was really frustrating. And, you know, if we feel like this, I always wonder how does Bill O'Brien and Tim Kelly, the offensive line, and even Deshaun Watson himself, because, of course, you and I, we can ask them, but nine times out of ten, you know they're going to give us the political answer. But speaking of Tim Kelly, Deshaun Watson, and his whole play calling, Early on in the week, I talked about how I felt, and I and I said that I kind of feel like Bill O'Brien and Tim Kelly is limiting Deshaun Watson's skill set to the point where we're not getting 100% of Deshaun Watson. When we look across the league and we look at the quarterbacks that he's compared to, Lamar Jackson, um, Patrick Mahomes, Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, those guys are in a system and they have a coach who has actually built an offense and a system around their unique skill set. And that's part of the reason why they have been able to flourish. But down here in Houston, it seems like Bill O'Brien, Tim Kelly, or whoever's calling the plays has this stronghold on Deshaun Watson where it's like, okay, you go out there and perform, but at the same time, we want you to do it our way. Do you get that same sense that at the end of the day, as great as Deshaun Watson has been these past three years, we are still, we have still not seen the, we have still not seen the best version of Watson due to the play calling. Well, not only that, Cody, I think that what's, I think most bothersome for the fans, at least from what, I can gather from like the audience at, at sports radio 610 mm-hmm. is that it did seem like it did seem like it was that way when they first put him in there, his rookie year, you know? So it, it, it's not like it never looked that way. You remember this man, like in 2017, like when they first put him in there, it seemed like they were kind of just letting him be himself. I don't yeah. know if that has to do with more, more with the fact that, or maybe with them not thinking that he was going to be the start, they weren't really necessarily prepared to throw him in there that early, and it it just went bad south. I, it went south early. I don't know. Maybe they just weren't really prepared, or he wasn't prepared for them to do what they want him to do, or to, for them to try to fit the square peg in the round hole. Because I, I feel like <laughs> that's a little bit like that, that's what it feels like. Now, to be fair, man, to be fair they do have some of the things that we're talking about and that we want to see. They have some of that in the offense. We, it's not like we never see it. We see it sometimes, but then they go back to like this, you know, you know, trying to make them to, to be Tom Brady or like we joke on the radio over here, trying to make them to be Tom Savage, you know, like what are you, what are you, why are you, why do you have, you know, why are you trying to turn a, a Ferrari into a, a minivan? I don't know. That's probably not the best way to, 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 to. Oh, it's the best way. You know, that's, that's, like, the, that's what I'm seeing. That, that's kind of how it feels, you know. Because uh, Tom Savage was a minivan. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, man. He I, was not a LX anything. He was a take your kids to school minivan. Yeah. And that's okay. We need minivan guys out here. Right. Yeah. There, there's value to the minivan, but that ain't, that. this ain't it, though. This is not what that is. And so, yeah, nah, I mean, I feel that way, but I also feel like they do have some of the elements in the offense of what we're talking about, and they just don't tap into it enough. I'm not sure exactly why that is. It is frustrating to watch it, though, when you consider, like, like watch Cam Newton in these first couple of weeks over in New England and what they're doing, you know. And for Cam Newton to be able to step right in to New England and 
Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels to be able to already be like be ready and willing to curtail their offense to what the player is that they brought in. Yeah, man, that's frustrating. Like you don't see them doing things over there in New England all in these first couple of weeks that don't suit Cam Newton, that don't complement what he is. Um, as far as like Deshaun in the running game, because I know that's part, uh, a big part of like what we're getting at here, or at least a piece of that discussion. I do feel like they are struggling with this balancing act of wanting to be cautious with Deshaun. Um, not wanting him, not wanting him to get injured. <laughs> um, I think that's evidenced by what they've tried to do with the offensive line. Um, keeping context, what happened to him his rookie year that he's torn his ACL in his life. What twice now, at least right. Going back to college. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right. I mean, when you think of all of that, take it all into context. He's not the He's not, Deshaun's a, a strong dude and he's got decent size but he's not cam size you know so it's not like he's the biggest guy in the world I feel like there is something that they're trying to do that's responsible in terms of keeping him safe but I don't think you can play scared either um, I do sympathize with that delicate balance um, I wouldn't want the weight of that on my shoulders but it does feel like they should unleash him a little bit more a lot more you know, when I look at this team, I noticed that, you know, you were, you know, just to put it how it was, pissed off about that fourth down call. And throughout the first two games, allowed eight sacks, 27 QB hits. They are really struggling with blitz pickups. And I think that's understandable considering they have a young offensive line. When we look at Max Sharpen, who's in his second year, Titus Howard, who's in his second year, did not finish the season last year, had played a real football game since last November. They're very young, but they are struggling. And it seems to me that Mike Devlin has struggled with putting together decent offensive lines. He, I mean, since he arrived in Houston, he has not been able to coach them up, like I would say. Uh, at some point, maybe when a year is finished, because I think it's fair considering everything the entire league had to go through. But, uh, at some point, does Mike Devlin – get any blame moving forward to not being able to develop an offensive line. I mean, he has to, he has to, man. I I think that, I think that this year was coming into this year was really interesting from a narrative standpoint. You know, if you, you know, I know y'all are obviously in the thick of it like I am. And so this narrative was pushed to us and, most of us have peddled it at some point about how valuable it is that the offensive line is returning all five starters for the first time in like a decade. You know, like we, we, we talked that up and it felt like a significant thing, not just that all five of them were returning, but for the most part, you felt pretty good about all five of them. You know, um, I know that, Zach Fulton is also, is often thought of as the weak link, but, you know, he's a solid pro. You know, he, he struggles at times. He struggles with elite players. And and I, I have noticed that that uh, defensive, defenses have tried to pick on that right side in general on, on Zach and Titus. Um, but you felt good about what you had there. And, and 
in theory, it feels like you still should, you know, but the play that I was upset about, you know, that I was talking about um, a moment ago, or those two plays, or I think are like the prime example of, you know, what is this? What is this scheme? What is going on here? I mean, he's got to take some of the blame. You know, I, I think that part of it before, like before now, was a talent issue. Um, you, you know, the, those couple of years, like the, like I guess the everything post Dwayne Brown and pre Laramie Tunsil at left tackle, I think was was really rough. Um, I don't know if that's an excuse, but you can see how they would struggle there. Now that they feel like they fortified the offensive line, I don't know what the excuse would be. So I, I I don't see how the answer to your question could be anything other than yes. Given what we've seen so far, it's still early. So it's not like they don't have time to, to, to fix it and to make the offensive line look like how they kind of branded it to us. But as of right now, yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you should have some you should have some serious questions and be scratching your head seriously. Yeah, and we all are scratching our heads, but Brandon, you know, like I like I said, and I believe you said it as well, this was a very tough way to open out a season, no matter what team, to go from Kansas City and then turn around and play Baltimore. I had them going one and one. John had them going one and one. But at the end of the day, we all knew there was a good possibility that they was going to start this season 0-2. But like you say, the way they got to 0-2 is very concerning. So, man, once again, we just want to say thank you so much for stopping by. Um, real quick, where can the listeners follow you at on Twitter? Man, follow me at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter, man. Um, like I said, I run Sports Radio 610's website and social media. So a lot of times what you see over there is actually me. Uh, but but to follow me, man, it's it's at Brandon K. Scott. 